Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Ring. I'm your host, Acacia Clement, as we have wrapped up two-year-old sales season. We are just about wrapping up Belmont Park Spring Summer Meet and getting ready to head up to Saratoga Del Mar starting soon. It's an exciting time of the year. Um, I know I, for one, am really excited about the start of Saratoga. On top of the fact that we're going to see some terrific racing, it's an exciting time of year. It also means that I don't have to drive my long commute. (laughs) I've been driving back and forth to Saratoga every week uh, for the past few months to see my husband and then uh, on those other days at Belmont driving to Connecticut to see my parents. And for two months in the summer, I'll have about a 30-second drive to work, and I am so excited about that. Um, But today's show will be fun. We'll talk a little bit about some of the exciting sales coming up. Also, hopefully over the next few weeks, I'll get a chance to speak to some connections of some of the big horses that we've seen winning really impressively and looking forward to some of those big races coming up this summer. This episode of In the Ring is brought to you by Adelphi Racing Club. Adelphi is a racing club of like-minded people who enjoy horse racing and the camaraderie being part of something bigger than themselves. It's truly a community, and we thank Adelphi for their support of In the Ring. Adelphi's founding partners have all owned horses and other partnerships and syndicates, as well as on their own, and the overarching goal is to blend the benefits of solo ownership without the administrative hassle and the thrill of partnership experience. Adelphi partners enjoy unique interactive ownership experience with direct one-to-one access to all members of the team. It's also a fiscally sustainable approach to horse ownership through its patient mid-market acquisition strategy, making yearling purchases in the $75,000 to $150,000 range, which offers partners the chance to compete at the highest levels of the game while doing so in a responsible manner and allowing for long-term participation in the sport. Adelphi has very limited remaining shares available and a couple of exciting two-year-old prospects, including a New York bred cult sired by the red hot Lao band named Gem Mint 10, who's already shipped into trainer Ray Handel's Belmont barn. The cult has done nothing wrong since arriving in New York and is on target to make an early two-year-old debut, potentially up at Saratoga. Adelphi also has limited shares remaining in a taproot cult named Magistrate, who is currently in training down at Kinsman Farm in Ocala and will be shipping up to Christophe Kumal later on this year. This cult is bred and built to run all day and is an exciting classic distance prospect for the summer and fall. Make sure you join the club. Check out AdelphiRacing.com. You could email Matt at AdelphiRacing.com or check out their social media at Adelphi underscore racing on Instagram and at Adelphi Club on Twitter. Many thanks to the Adelphi Racing Club for their support of In the Ring as we'll get right into it and get ready to chat with today's guests on In the Ring with Acacia Clement. Enjoy everyone. Really happy to welcome back to the show, my friend, Ramiro Restrepo. You may see him working with Basic Tipton, working the sales grounds, looking for the next big thing, the next big star runner and Ramiro looking like you may have found it. Uh, we'll get into Gulfport in a moment, but really glad to have you on. How is everything? I haven't seen you around in a while. Uh, Acacia, uh, awesome to have me on the, for you to have me on the show. Thanks a lot. And, um, now everything's great, you know, just been, uh, you know, we, we're, we're part of the 
traveling band of gypsies who are like, <laughs> like we, we live in a circus and it's always sale to sale or race meet to race meet. And uh, I know I haven't seen you at Gulfstream or I know you went back to New York and you got married and everything. So, you know, a lot of changes for everyone, but all for the best. All for the best, for sure. And as you said, you're always going to the next big sale, the next big race. Um, you have been with Basic Tipton how many years now? Wow. Uh, we're going on our eighth year. Wow. Um, it's, it's, a, it's amazing how time has, how time has flown so by so quickly, but at the same time, you know, the amount of things that you've learned from everyone there at, at, at FASIG from, uh, you know, how to manage people to uh, developing relationships. And then from the horsemanship side, you know, the things that you I've learned from um, those who have been there before, like, you know, Bill Graves and, and Dennis mm -hmm. Lynch to the guys that, that are still there now, Peter Penny and, and uh, Bain Welker and, you learn so many things and so many lessons and, and over time, you know, you start applying them yourselves and, and um, you try to put those, those lessons into action. And we've, we've been able to have a, a lot of luck. And when you started with Phasic, it was in kind of a newer role really kind of to, to, for you to be able to tap into um, racing entities from Latin America and that sort of a bloodstock and, and people from that part of the world. But how have how has your role changed and developed over the last few years and how have you kind of made it your own along the way? Right. You know, FASIC runs a, an amazing, like, uh, open court, you know, fast paced offense where, you know, um, you know, we all have a meat and potatoes role of, you know, <laughs> d developing relationships with clients and, and, um, and, you know, buyers and sellers, obviously. And then at the same time, you, know, you have that freedom to, you know, explore other markets mm -hmm. to, you know, bring business to the, to the basic table. So initially, you know, everything was just about South Florida, uh, Latin America, and, you know, developing, you know, relationships in that market. And that's always expanded to Ocala. And, you know, uh, I've always done, you know, bloodstock mm -hmm. uh, and I, I was a horse owner prior to joining facing. So, as time has gone on and develop, you know, relationships have been developed and opportunities have presented themselves. I've been able to travel like overseas, the Middle East, Europe, uh, and obviously South America as well. And you start, you know, meeting people who want to come participate here in, in the American market. And, uh, you know, they've heard so many great things about facing. I mean, obviously the, the company's reputation speaks for itself. So I've been able to, you know, help with, with, with that, um, you know, with the transition of having people from those markets, you know, kind of outside what, you know, the initial, the, the initial purpose was uh, to come participate in FASIC sales. And, and then in turn, I've been able to go overseas and participate in some mm -hmm. European sales. And uh, it's just been a great synergy and, and, and it's just been an awesome, uh, an awesome experience. What were some of the key takeaways for, for you in being able to attend those European sales and kind of compare and contrast what we do here in the States and maybe just some of the things that really stood out to you? Well, the, you know, the, the customer service service over there is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the consignments uh, over there, kind of uh, the, over here, Raul Ray is at King's Equine, does this mm -hmm. amazing barbecue uh, at his <laughs> at his consignment and it's such a welcome home feel. Uh, over there, it's amazing how some of these consignments will have coffee and biscuits and treats and food and sandwiches and it makes like each pit stop at each consignment to be like this uh luxurious atmosphere judmont um 
Tweed Hills. I mean, they all put on these amazing um, hospitality, you know, environments to their consignment. So that was a, that was pretty cool to see from the sales point of view. You don't how, need to go uh, for lunch. You don't even need to go yeah. for lunch. <laughs> But at the same time, obviously, the, you know, the, 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 the type of horse, mm -hmm. uh, when you compare American physicals to European physicals, you know, I guess that's probably the biggest, uh, most impactful, like shock almost, because in America, you used to, you know, tons of leg, uh, big frames uh, on, on our horses. And over there, they're more, more compact, more typey, but they do have that great stretch. So, you know, uh, size is a, is, a, is a real big thing. And then obviously, the, you know, the bloodlines, the pedigrees, um, while there is some American back influence, you know, uh, you know, seeing the, the those American grass, uh, the, excuse me, the European grass pedigrees really stand out at you, the Dubawis and, yeah. and Galileos and such. As we are kind of, I guess, getting closer and closer to being back to normal um, since the, the COVID days and obviously the sales really having to adapt to that. What are some of the things that you've noticed as far as the market, the, the strength of the phasic Tipton sales as we've gotten through the two-year-old sales um, in, in March and in May for phasic and now leading into focusing on the yearlings over the summer for 2022? What are some of the things that you've seen as we kind of get back to real life? Well, I think the biggest thing that that all sales companies have seen, and it's something that, you know, COVID opened the door is these mm -hmm. online sales yeah. and the ability to, you know, purchase horses off these amazing videos. Um, it's crazy the amount of international participation or domestic participation that's going on through this online platform, um, the digital sales um, or live sales, but providing tons more of digital content mm -hmm. for people to be able to you know purchase a horse right over the phone or, or over the laptop or or ipad or whatever is 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 amazing i mean that's something that kind of has turned the sales world on its head over the last uh two years and to see the amount of participation and positive reaction to that online content and online uh capabilities is has been huge I, I mean i i think that's the, the number one thing that mm -hmm. that's been brought about but you know i mean if you look at sales results uh you know nice horses bring their premium um the market's been you know consistently healthy and um you know i'm just glad things are you know from a participation aspect being able to travel you know mm -hmm. not, not having to wear masks and us getting a grasp on on the COVID situation it's amazing to see that and i'm thankful to see that you know things are are you know back to normal, but um, the the online aspect and the and the digital aspect mm -hmm. of things is has been one of the most like eye opening things that that that's come about from COVID. Um, we're starting obviously now this year's yearling cycle, mm -hmm. and um, phase of July is coming up next week, and that's going to be you know that first indicator of how uh, you know that the the first step. It's the to see how the, the yearling market's gonna be. And, you know, hopefully it maintains that same, you know, healthy healthy environment and, um, you know, everybody has, has a good sale. July 11th and 12th, horses of racing age, and then the yearlings for the July sale um, in Kentucky next week. What are the, some of the things that, that people can look for and can be excited about with that sale coming up? Well, it's, it's, it's always gotten like this little reputation of the, uh, uh, well, big reputation as a, as a great freshman sire showcase. Yeah. So we'll be able to see, um, you know, first crop 
uh, sires this year and a lot of, uh, you know, forward, um, mature horses, nice physicals that are, that are, uh, earlier types. And, um, you know, it's just finally we're coming off this, you know, the, the two-year-old, uh, sales and everyone's kind of itching to, uh, to jump into the, the babies. So, you know, excited to see how these first year sires go and, um, and how they're going to be well-received. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at the catalog before having you on, and, and it's just like right from hip one, it's, you know, Yoshida, Matoli, Audible, Demarchier, like horses that have been really excited to see. Um, and, and it is cool, too. It's one of those things, as you mentioned, with freshman sires. And we saw last year a, a lot of freshman sires whose progeny is yearlings sold really well and are now producing as two-year-olds. And that's kind of the exciting thing of this time time of year to see what these horses look like and see what horses you remember just recently running can do <laughs> yeah. as a stallion i mean we were just cheering on mitoli like yeah it felt like yesterday you know uh -huh. he, and then all of a sudden now they're already yearlings and you're gonna be having them on their saddle by the end of the year so it's just so crazy how again how time flies i mean you know there's always gonna be the stalwarts like the in the mischiefs and the tappets mm -hmm. and the uncle mo's that you know go back several years but it's amazing it's just wild you know when the fan comes out in you and you're like Yoshida's Matoli's all of us like we were just betting on these horses cheering on these horses just the other day and 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 they're here now their babies are here so that's always um you know exciting to sink your teeth into that catalog and and cruise those sales grounds and 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 see how those babies are looking well so it's, it's I just fun as you mentioned too, you, you've been involved in the bloodstock side of things in last year's July sale, and you mentioned Uncle Mo. You had a lot of success with a son of Uncle Mo with a big female family as well. Um, those who were watching closing day at Churchill, and even if you weren't watching, you probably saw it on social media somewhere. Gulfport in the Bashford Manor. Um, just tell me a little bit about how you found this guy and what the ride's been like following his two races so far. You know, um, a, a huge part of, of, of our business, um, of my business, excuse mm -hmm. me, is to, you know, pin hook uh, yearlings to two-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And my partner uh, and, you know, I've said it before, my rock in this is Joe Pickerel uh, of Pick Me Uno Cala. And obviously his fiance wife, Courtney Roberts, is, is uh, heavily involved in the process as well. And we, we, we struck luck in 2019 when we, per, when we um, sold Structor. And, you know, obviously I've, I've played that fiddle. <laughs> so that As you are, should. Uh, <laughs> Reader's Cup winner, nothing of, to scoff of, at. <laughs> of that story. And, you know, every year, we're, you know, we're always on the hunt to try to, you know, get the next big horse. And, you know, we, we've, we've sold some talented horses uh, in the subsequent years. Um, but some that unfortunately haven't had that luck to, you know, fulfill their potential and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and really get to that, you know, the biggest, you know, the biggest stage, which is what we're all in this for, you know, yeah. whether you're buying a pinhook or you're buying to race. I mean, who doesn't want that Saturday horse, right? Like right. that's what we, that's what dreams are made of. That's why we're here. Um, we've had luck at that July sale before uh, we sold, uh, uh, we purchased Garoppolo who, at the time ended up, you know, running, you know, fourth, like in the, uh, in the hopeful and w uh, ran big in the, excuse me, in the Saratoga special and, you know, seemed like a, like a horse that, that uh, he was outworks first winner. 
and you know unfortunately he had some setbacks and you know didn't wasn't able to take that next step forward but we've had luck out of the july sale before um we were cruising the sales grounds last year um thoroughly joe and courtney were were doing their thing and so was i and uh, when we came together at eaton uh, at the eaton sales consignment uh, joe was pulling out some horses and uh, I, re- I knew that there, there was a couple horses of the consignment that were, you know, quite of interest. And I remember asking Joe, I'm like, hey, are you going to pull this Uncle Bob? And he goes, he's coming up next. So I, I you know, I chuckled. The horse came out and, you know, um, really balanced dude, a lot of class. And I know, you know, I'm sure you've had guests before and, 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 and it's always been said about this checking the boxes thing. Mm-hmm. And to, expect, to expand on checking the boxes when, when people say that, you know, Everyone has a mindset of what they look for in a horse from their physical characteristics, you know, with the body angles, maybe the way their, their head and eye look, um, the way that their shoulder ties into, you know, the neck ties into their shoulder, mm-hmm. you know, the width of their back, the hip. I mean, everyone's got their, their thing, you know, like uh, pastures, hawks. Yeah. E- everyone has their interpretation of what they believe is an attractive horse or mm-hmm. what appeals to them. And then you look further into their demeanor, the way they carry themselves, the way they walk and present themselves. And you imagine, you know, the walk to the jog, the jog to the gallop, the gallop to the run. And that goes into your imagination as a, as a purchaser. And then lastly, it's just that sixth sense. Uh, if you were a stockbroker, you have to have that sixth sense when to buy mm-hmm. and sell. Um, when you're a horse player and you're trying to decide what horses to throw into your multis or to put a straight wind bet on that's a sixth sense that you're reading the form and, and and reading it and the same thing goes into you know buying horses it's just that's that um tangible quality that that separates you know you know the great from the good mm-hmm. uh and the good from the bad you know just your ability to say this is the horse that gave me that feeling so when that horse came out i mean Courtney, Joe, myself, we had this feeling before and he ended up being, a, you know, a Breeders' Cup winner. Mm-hmm. This horse came out and it was like, yo, this horse is like the, the, the dude, you know, he, <laughs> he, he physically, he, he matched it to what everybody loves. The way he carried himself was the same way, uh, really balanced Colt. He wasn't the biggest horse, mm-hmm. you know, and if you go look at Uncle Mo at Ashford, I mean, he is one big bad dude so he wasn't as huge as um as his father but um he looked you know he had that presence just like uncle mo did and um you know that sixth sense just kind of spoke to all of us what and 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 i'll say this you know super candidly acacia mm-hmm. i told joe i didn't tell joe I, in my mind i was like gosh this horse is just gonna be really expensive because as a pin hooker, you're also thinking, which is, you know, obviously reselling as a two-year-old, right. you're thinking how much can this thing sell as a two-year-old and what's, you know, you're thinking margins, you know, if I'm going to buy at this number, what could he possibly bring next year? And obviously the more expensive you invest in on a yearling, the more pressure is on for him to perform as a two-year-old mm-hmm. for you to, um, you know, make a profit, Right. right. So in my mind, I was like, you know, I was scared. You know, I, I, I was like, 
that was my trepidation. I was like, this was just going to be too much. Mm-hmm. And Joe was like Clint Eastwood. And he goes, <laughs> I'm going strong on this Uncle Mo. And he said it with such confidence. It was almost like he gave me two left-handed cracks of the whip and was like, I'm getting this horse. And uh, <laughs> I was like, wow. And, and you know what? Like to, you know, we've, Joe and I have talked about it before, you know, after it's like, when you love something, you know, it's like hit first, ask questions later, you know, yeah. we'll get the horse. He's the dude, you know, get what, what you love. And um, he totally did that over the top moment. And uh, that's a quote that I'll never forget. He was just like, so adamant about I'm getting this horse. So once again, we, you know, we went in there and, you know, obviously the horse still brought a premium. I mean, 275,000 mm-hmm. is, is, um, is, is a solid amount. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, it's, it is an expensive amount, but um, you know, from the day Joe got him on the farm and Joe was putting him through the paces, the horse just, you know, excelled at everything. I mean, it was almost like, you know, there, there are horses that are just naturally gifted and have tons of ability. And, you know, Joe brought him along in, in a fantastic manner. And uh, when you saw his videos on the farm, the athleticism and the grace that this horse moved with um, was just was just awesome. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, 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 it, and it was just so, you know, you don't want to jinx yourself because as we know in, in racing things can go wrong in one day oh yeah <laughs> but that's uh, for sure but um the horse kept you know doing everything right and mm-hmm. uh, any every anytime i spoke to joe he was like this is our dude you know this is this is the dude so like i uh look as a as a bloodstock agent a lot of flowers are thrown your way when you pick a, when you pick a horse but the flowers need to be thrown to those who not only also pick the horse but take care of this take care train Mm -hmm. develop and bring them to you know to level that they that they get to and you know that that you know that goes to to joe pickerel and 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 his staff there and and courtney over at pickview because you know yeah you you pick the ingredients you help pick the ingredients but then you know they bring it out to this five five star michelin horse meal which which uh which is which is this horse so um susan montaigne who obviously in her own right is an excellent horsewoman and um has sold tons of group one winners uh has an amazing relationship with mr bill heidelbrod and with and with steve asmussen and you know she she saw the horse and um you know we, we purchased the horse for them privately off the farm mm-hmm. and uh the rest is history i, I remember <laughs> joe joe sent us a video uh when the horse was leaving and it was like bye uncle mo and he, he he got in the van and i think you know within two weeks he he breezed for steve he went right into the program wow. yeah and um he fired a work in 46 flat out the <sighs> gate that you were like whoa you know, <laughs> that's, that's something else. And uh, Joe was in touch with, 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 with Mr. Asmussen and, and uh, there was nothing but glowing reports. So, <laughs> you know, you're sitting there hoping that, that it's not just like a, you know, a morning, you know, a morning glory or anything, you sure. know, like, 
you really hope this thing works works out in the afternoon. So to have the horse, you know, run in the maiden the way that he did and then follow it up with, with this race, I mean, heck, at, at this point, one, you're just super thankful to have been one page in the chapter mm-hmm. of a horse that that's that that looks so you know so impressive in two races and two you're just thankful to kind of be around that ride you know um just to enjoy it from afar or being able to be let in the paddock or in a winter circle in the mm-hmm. future you know uh, um it takes a village to bring a horse from conception to to the grade one winter circle and hopefully that's the path of this horse and it's just an awesome thing to uh you know, to, to be, have been a part of and to continue to um, to enjoy what he, what he does going forward. I know it's only been two races, but it's in two sensational races that you would not anticipate really seeing at this stage of the game for, uh, for a two-year-old. And well, Broke is made in by seven. And then obviously, you, you know, coming into the Bashford Manor, it looked like he laid over the field and he was going to crush. But as you said, so many things can happen. And then he won that race by the length of the stretch, it seemed. I mean, just what are your emotions when you're watching those races and, and being able to see this horse just do what he does? Uh, you know, <laughs> look, maybe look, there's, there, are, there are people in our business who have had so much success. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't speak for obviously for him, but sometimes you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, you, that, that emotion is, is, is blunted and it's just an everyday thing. But for myself, you know, any touchdown, I celebrate it like crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, when you have the opportunity to have a horse in the gate that you're a part of that goes in and like delivers on what the promise is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, on, of the, uh, the promise that he showed on the farm, the promise that he showed working out at, at, at Churchill and Keeneland the promise that, you know, after his maiden and, and he keeps delivering on that. I mean, it's like a, a child of yours, you know, they're always going to be your kid, mm-hmm. no matter how far they go on, you know, who they go on to, like, you're always going to have an attachment to it. And, uh, you know, I can even imagine the, you know, the, the pride and joy that Joe feels as well. You know what I mean? Uh, he got this horse, broke the horse, trained the horse, you know, sold the horse, you know, Susan's excitement for her, for, for her clients, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Heidelbrot and Jackpot and, uh, you know, Wendy Oaks, it's, it's just, it's just amazing uh, how everyone has that, 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 that sense of gratitude and, and of happiness. And like, I've talked to Joe, I talked to Susan after, after the races and, you know, it's like the 4th of July <laughs> after, after every race, the fireworks <laughs> of emotion, you know, and I, and, and I don't think I'll, I'll ever lose that feeling, you know, yeah. uh, I don't care how many years I'm in this business. Like it's, it, it's, it's a part of why we do it besides the accolades and, and, or financial gain or success, like to win in anything is the greatest yeah. feeling of all time. Like it, you could, if you bottled the feeling of winning a horse race, I mean, it, it's the greatest feeling ever. And, and, and that feeling covers a lot of, boo-boos and mistakes and <laughs> and and uh and problems that that exist you know like yeah. a, a win feels so amazing i think i've watched that race 30 times and joe <laughs> called me and he goes i think i've seen this thing 40 times and it's like he wins every time you know yeah. so that feeling acacia you just can't you just can't put it into words but it's um you know it's that it's it's something that you chase so now it's like 
you know, we're all, you know, amped up and, you know, pumped up and here, you know, the Jalal sales next week and, and we're going to, you know, cruise around and try to find another one. Yeah. Exactly. That's a, you're only as, as good as your last winner, right? And um, and this horse has a nice pedigree too, obviously by Uncle Mo, who has just turned out to be an incredible sire and now a sire of sires as well. But on the bottom side, I, I thought it was interesting kind of looking through the pedigree, um, the, the dam, the sister to Cross Traffic, who won the Whitney, second dam won the Ballerina. There's a lot of quality there and he's a dirt horse. Do you start? I know he's a young two-year-old, but do you start kind of having those big dreams of what he may go on to do and what that would mean for you and the whole team? Like you said, that's been part of this whole process. For sure. Look, um, mm -hmm. Joe, will, Joe, Joe will tell you that I'm a pedigree snob. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe in that class, even though there are many instances of horses with lesser pedigrees and sure. horses that have made their pedigrees, but I'm a big pedigree uh, person. Uh, I'm, I'm a historian of the game. So I love seeing, um, you know, families and how they develop. And, and I love looking at horses that have, you know, uh, have those bloodlines. What's amazing was, uh, you know, back in, back in 2012, um, 2010, 2011, 2012, Jake Ballas introduced me to Mr. Bill Riccio and Gene Riccio when at Linwood stable, when, when they were over at classic mile. And, um, over the course of those years, I got to see a lot of really nice horses that Mr. Riccio was was breaking for a lot of big clients. And um, they had the damn fame and fortune oh, wow. on that farm. And um, they, you know, Bill and Gene, and then they spoke of how talented she was. So if you look at her career, you know, she won her maiden nicely and, and, and won in a stake. Uh, excuse me, was fourth at a stake. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately she didn't go on, but she was always a talented racehorse. So, you know, to come almost a decade later and you run into, you know, one of her progeny at the sale, you know, it kind of adds to like that, oh, wow, you know, like, I remember that. And then mm -hmm. obviously the rest of the families and cross traffic speak for themselves, but there was, you know, that little attachment of, wow, Fox Hill Farm, they bought that horse at Saratoga. Yeah. They gave it to Mr. Riccio. They spoke how, high, how highly of her. I saw her on the farm. Chad had her at the track. And Chad Brown had her at the track. And you're like, you know, I just, that rings a bell. So you see a pedigree like this um, and a horse that has, you know, physical gifts. So, you know, these nice physical gifts and qualities about him. And that rang to my trepidation about the price. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. we're, we're not able to get it. And again, Joe was like, we're getting him. I don't, I don't <laughs> We're, you know, we, we're getting this horse and, 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 and obviously we went that strong. And when you put it all together and he keeps delivering on the track, I mean, you know, you could only start dreaming, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know what he ultimately going to be. That's a question that, you know, Mr. Asmussen will, will, will figure out and mm -hmm. how the horse answers these questions. Like he, I think he's going to the Saratoga spot for next another half a furlong and the hopeful after that. So, those plans were, were were mentioned in an interview. So amazing that he gets the seven eighths. But from my perspective, whether it be he becomes the next Matoli, whether it be whether he becomes an amazing miler, or whether he gets the classic distances like cross traffic did in in, in, in winning a mile and a quarter grade one, like that's all or a mile and eighth grade one, you know, that that would be amazing too. Like, you know, we I, I just want horses that compete at the highest levels. 
And I don't knock them if they're just sprinters or if they're, if they're middle distance or if they go the classic distance. Like a brilliant horse is a brilliant horse. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what everybody wants. So I'm not going to, you know, from afar, obviously, I have nothing to do with it now, put pressure <laughs> on wanting the horse to achieve, you know, the, you know, the derby. But if he can achieve that, that top of the mountain grade one status and be that kind of horse, I mean, that's all you, that's all that you can really hope for is to have a really nice horse. And after two races, uh, he's done some awesome things. So, you know, hopefully uh, he keeps going in that direction. And I wish, you know, the, the connections, all the best of luck and, and, and know that they'll have uh, a, a huge fan over here. <laughs> I love that. And as you said, just appreciating everything he he can do because it really is so hard just to get there, let alone to win. Um, Ramiro certainly will be rooting for him. I can't wait to see the horse in Saratoga this summer. Um, Like I said, it covered his Bastard Manor race on America State, the races, and was just blown away by him. So we'll be wishing the, the whole team from start to finish all the best with him. Can't wait to cheer him on as well. And thank you for taking the time and giving a little insight to a story behind the scenes. No, thank you, Keisha. Thank you for having me on for sure. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks, no doubt. Really happy to welcome in my friend Liza Hendricks, who has started a company that has really kind of set a new standard in the world of horse racing and in the horse sales as well. You may have heard of Wanamakers, an online auction company. Founder and CEO is Liza. Liza, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Acacia. Happy to be here. So tell me a little bit about the concept of Wanamakers and how you came to want to create this company. Yeah, so when I started it, I was actually on the Godolphin Flying Start course, which is an amazing um, opportunity for anyone in racing, if if anyone gets a chance. It's a two-year um program that's fully funded by Sheikh Mohammed and it focuses on racing and breeding. So you get kind of both sides of the industry and you get to um, travel around to different countries. So while we were in Australia on the course, um, we were down there and that was in 2019, just before COVID. And um, they have a few online auction houses down there that are really taking off. They sell you know, around probably 500 horses every month online. Um, so it's it's pretty much their main way of trading um, throughout, throughout the year. You know, they have physical sales as well, but the online auctions are just really taking off down there. So while I was there, I um, was just kind of thinking about it and thinking about our industry back here in America and um, just brought up the question of, you know, why don't we have online sales here and why can't it work here? Um, you know, just kind of as a, as a year round type of, of way to trade horses. So brought the idea back here. And it's really kind of taken off and, and you've had some really big horses go through the Wanamaker sales. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the challenges in starting it and kind of getting people to embrace the idea. I'm sure with COVID, having an outlet to sell horses online was certainly a benefit. But as we know, sometimes in racing, people can be a little hesitant to something that's new. Yeah, definitely. And, and um it's been such a good learning experience with the challenges and, and, um, you know, just kind of trying to get people to adapt to the, the online marketplace. But, um, 
you know, it, people have, have started to catch on more and, and get more comfortable with, you know, buying and selling things online since, you know, pretty much everything else else we do is mm -hmm. is online as well. So just tr trying to get people comfortable with um, with the process of buying and selling. But yeah, but definitely the big horses have have helped helped with that. So tell me a little bit about the structure because it's not like a typical sales company when you know you, you know you're looking forward to the the two-year-old sale in April or whatever it may be. Um, it's a little bit more frequent. You can nominate your horse. Tell me a little bit about the process. Yeah, so we have a sale every month, and it's it's towards the the end of the month. Um, so we just try to keep that consist consistency throughout the year of a mixed sale every month. So. Um, and it, it doesn't really, we're not really trying to replace the physical sales at all. You know, it's great to, to go and see all of the yearlings and compare them to each other in a physical sale and the two-year-old sales, as you were talking about, but just kind of a, a supplemental outlet for people um, year round when, you know, say if you wanted to sell a mare now that had a big update and you didn't want to wait and carry her until um, November and incur those costs, um, just kind of a year round, year round, um, additional marketplace for buyers and sellers. And before the start of Saratoga, there is a special sale coming up for the New York Reds. I know you talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago, but yeah. um, tell me a little bit about that and, and why it is so important embracing the New York bread program and giving breeders and owners an opportunity like that. Yeah, so we've been very fortunate to work with um, New York thoroughbred breeders in putting on a New York bred sale and and um, it's a horses of racing age sale that and they'll sell the day before opening meet at um, the opening day for the Saratoga meet so it's a, an exciting time to be able to get involved in that lucrative New York bread program you know they have so many, so many um, additional benefits to owners. Um, with, with those New York bred races. So just um, a chance to get involved in that program. And what's the re response been so far? Um, it seems like, like, like you said, from your thoroughbred breeders, they're really excited about the opportunity and kind of anything you can tie into with the start of Saratoga, I'm sure is a really exciting opportunity to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, all the, the trainers and owners we've talked to, um, they, you know, love the chance to be able to buy New York breads because, um, you know, uh, getting that, that demand there is great for the New York, um, program. Um, so just trying to recruit as many horses as we can, just because the demand is so high right now for race horses. So it's great to see that, that the industry is thriving. And as mentioned with COVID and a lot of the scheduling of the sales changed around racing, uh, racing kind of suspended for a time, nobody really knowing what the condition book was going to hold throughout that time. Did you notice people being a little bit more um, easily persuaded to try out an online auction and take that opportunity? Was that something that maybe in kind of a roundabout way helped Wanamakers? Yeah, I think for sure, especially, you know, when people couldn't really, if they didn't want to travel to the physical sales that were taking place and, um, you know, couldn't really go to all the racetracks to see horses, uh, it definitely did help um, in that way and just getting people's mindsets um, towards being able to, to buy and sell online and really reach the whole country because, 
you know, some of the smaller owners and breeders, it costs a lot of money to ship their horses to the physical mm-hmm. sales. Um, so I, I think it's definitely helped help the smaller owner, owners and breeders across the country as well. One of the things I thought was really cool about your company too is that um, you have an association with industry charities as well, contributing to the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance. Tell me a little bit about that and why that's something that's important to you. Yeah, so we we decided, you know, when we launched the company that we wanted to make it mandatory for all sellers to have to contribute to the TAA just because we see it as, as such an important part of the industry and, you know, us as as being a, a marketplace facilitator, we want to make sure that we are um, are contributing as well each sale. So um, we contribute and the, the sellers contribute as well. You mentioned your background coming from the Flying Start. Um, how did that kind of set you up in starting this company and maybe give you some of the tools and, and as you mentioned, the inspiration certainly mm-hmm. to start something new? Yeah, um, we actually, so towards the end of, of Flying Start, you do a business plan and um, and you have, um, you know, different mentors and stuff along the way. So it's it was a perfect opportunity for me because I used Wanamakers as my business plan. So had um, had different mentors to help with the with the business planning purposes and setting everything up um, and everything that goes into a business. So couldn't couldn't be more grateful for that that opportunity um, and to be able to do my business plan as as the business that I was setting up straight out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Making it into a reality, uh, so to speak. And Wanamakers, you're busy with that. You also do social media for Starlight and involved with them. You're um, reporting sometimes too. You're kind of doing a little bit of everything, but you have a a longstanding history through your family in the sport of horse racing. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, both of my parents um, are smaller trainers growing up and my dad trains steeplechase horses. So I love when the steeple chase horses come up here to Saratoga. Um, and then my mom is a um, owner, breeder, and um, trainer as well. And my brother is actually taking over training for her um, right now. So they're in the process of making that transition. So mm-hmm. definitely keeping it all in the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you ever have any goals to be a trainer as well or that just wasn't a life that you wanted (laughs) no you know I loved I loved riding um and would occasionally go go to the track but I actually didn't want to work in horse racing (laughs) and then went to college and loved kind of the startup tech um kind of business side um and worked for a startup in Atlanta, actually. And I was like, this is so boring. I need to get back <laughs> to the racetrack. <laughs> so found a way to combine the two. And I just, yeah. I love racing and, and love getting new people involved in the industry. And that's awesome. And your mom, as you mentioned, a breeder, um, and we, we've seen kind of on a bigger scale with Caravel and the success mm-hmm. that she's had on the track that background and being aware of the breeding side of things. And I'm sure, you know, being part of a real horse family, you're always looking for the next horse, finding stock, going to the sales. Was that all something that kind of shaped this inspiration as well? 
Yeah, definitely. And it's it's amazing to to see how my mom raises them on the farm because she only has, you know, she usually had two and now she has three brood mares. So just seeing them and and she um, takes care of them in the morning before she goes and, and trains her horses. So it's it's great to see all sides of the industry and how important it is to, to tie them together. What are some of the big goals that you have with Wanamakers and where you'd like to see it go? Um, I'd love to see it go more internationally. Um, I think, you know, horses over from, from Ireland and England have been competing very well here. And, you know, we see the, the sport going um, much more globally and, and even this weekend with, with all the international um, runners at Belmont. Um, and so just trying to, to keep growing the industry internationally. Well, it's exciting. Um, wishing you all the best with the New York bread sale before Saratoga. And I'm sure that I will see you soon, but um, it was really fun to kind of get to hear this side of your story too, Liza. Definitely, thank you so much. Let's talk to you soon, thanks a lot. Thanks. That'll do it for another episode of In the Ring. A big thank you to my guests, Ramiro and Liza, two really fun perspectives in the world of sales and horse racing. So I'm looking forward to following upcoming Wanamaker sales as, of course, uh, the July sale up next on the Facebook Tipton calendar. And then especially looking forward to that Saratoga yearling sale, the New York Bride yearling sale as well, coming up in August later on this summer. But I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did and I will be back next week with another episode before opening day of Saratoga hopefully if I can uh, get my scheduling all together but if you are coming up to the spa for the summer make sure you're coming over say hello I'll be in the paddock running back and forth between there and the winter circle as I usually am cover a lot of ground up at Saratoga you'd be surprised but we hope to see you all out there. Hope to see you out at the sales as well. Hope you're following along. As always, please feel free to share this episode if you enjoyed it. Please feel free to message me um, if you have any topics or guests that you think may be interesting. Always looking forward to uh, reading your suggestions and feedback as well. Thanks a lot, everyone. I'll see you next time on In The Ring.